This is Hear Me Now, the preaching podcast. I'm Dr. John Nixon, Sr. We had our first live interview on Monday night on the Hear Me Now Ministries uh, uh, program, Monday night on the 19th. And uh, you can find it on our YouTube channel. It's still there under the name John Nixon, Sr. Interesting interview with Pastor Charles Tapp, the newly elected president of the Potomac Conference. He was a fascinating guest to talk to. With such unique stories out of his life, um, as a child right on up through ministry. From the time he stepped out as a teenager to become the only member of his family to join the Adventist Church. Talked about his time as a senior pastor of the largest church in Columbia Union, Sligo, thousand. 2000 member church and now as conference president for the first time. There's one story in particular he told that I want to mention right now because it ties into the main theme of our podcast, Hear Me Now, the preaching podcast. Tap told the story of a sermon he heard that captivated him at age 16 and moved him to want to join the church immediately. What a striking story. Now this is the part. He didn't mention the name of the sermon or what it was about. Something else gripped him about that sermon. No doubt the content was important, but the first thing that caught his attention and made an immediate impression on him was not the sermon, but he'd heard heard sermons before. There was a difference this time, though. Here's what struck him. The pastor preached the sermon from the Bible. He was used to seeing preachers open the Bible, read a text, close the Bible, and start preaching. Often the sermon had nothing to do with the text they just read, or maybe it starts out with the text and then goes off someplace else. What he had never seen till that evening when he was 16 was a preacher open the Bible, start to preach, keep the Bible open, turn pages, go to another text and another, and actually preach out of the Bible. That's what struck him at age 16. Drew him to Christ. He wanted to join the church that night soon as he saw that. Reminder for us preachers, we should devote ourselves to this, to preach from the word, allowing the Bible to speak for itself, comparing scripture with scripture to make sure our interpretation is sound and to bring out the deeper meaning. We won't know the immediate effect on our listeners most of the time. We may never hear the stories. But somewhere, some teenager, some child's going to be convicted, going to join himself or herself to Christ, perhaps receive a call to ministry like Tap, and maybe influence thousands of lives for the kingdom of God over the next 40 years. And all because you, all because I, preached a biblical sermon and the power of the word was unleashed and gripped somebody's heart. And we know it'll be this way if we preach biblically. Because we know the Holy Spirit always attends his book. We know this too. Isaiah 55, 11, God's promised it. His word will not return to him void. All we have to do is be faithful to the word. The word of God. Out of whose mouth it comes. The full verse reads, Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. That's God's promise. 
for the word that comes from him. That's what we're trying to do here on Hear Me Now, the preaching podcast. That's what we're striving for. Faithful, biblical preaching in obedience to God that is centered in Jesus Christ. When preachers, now is the time for it more than ever. It's the written word declaring the living word. The word from the book proclaiming the word made flesh through the vessel whom God has chosen, that's you and me, and we see the glory of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth as the written word reveals the living word, the word made flesh. Don't forget this. Jesus takes responsibility for the outcome when we exalt him. Our part is to be faithful. John 12, 32, he says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. That's his promise as we preach him and his word. Let's try that right now. I want to start another Christ-centered biblical sermon right now. What shall we preach? We took a break from a series of sermons on preaching Christ from the doctrine to keep a promise we made to write a sermon based on the Beatitudes. We did that the last couple of weeks. What I noticed, though, is that right after the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, in that same sermon of his, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus then goes into the law of God and reveals its deeper meaning. He deals with the doctrine of the law in the Sermon on the Mount. So if we follow that sermon, Christ will explain how he is revealed in the law. I think that's a good way for us to get back on topic with preaching Christ in the doctrine. Let's preach him in the doctrine of the law. And we can explore the spirituality of the law to discover Jesus and the commandments. That's what I want to do. Well, let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Let's listen as Jesus preaches about the law and reveals himself in the commandments. I have my Bible here, going to Matthew 5. And I'm going to do 21 to 47. That's a long passage for a sermon. I know that. Obviously, you can't preach that all in one sermon. I'd like to listen, though, to the whole thing. And then in step two, we'll sort of narrow it down to a size we can handle in a single sermon. Keeping in mind that now, keeping in mind, we want to, we want to reach down to the spiritual level. And reveal. That's why we narrow the text down, so we can spend time reaching down where Christ is revealed most fully. But here, just to start out, listen to the text. I'm going to read all these verses. I'll go through them. Uh, I'll try to go through quickly. It's a lot of verses. Matthew 5, 21, 22. Let's start right there. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. That's how Christ starts out, explaining the law, reinterpreted through himself. Notice this motif. Jesus, You'll see it again and again through these passages. Jesus uses this phrasing. You have heard that it was said... But I say to you, it's a contrast. We see that throughout this part of the Sermon on the Mount. The meaning is obvious. Christ is contrasting what they already knew, what they've always believed and practiced. He's contrasting it with what it means now in him. He's presenting a new point of view based on himself. 
We'll see this again and again. This passage is loaded. Starts out talking about uh, he comparing murder with anger. These first two verses loaded. So I look in my Bible in the margin, just of this verse twenty-two. I have like what is that three six? I have like a dozen passages of scripture for this one verse uh, for comparison. I have to explore that a little more when we get to our step two. Let's go on for now. Twenty-three and twenty-four. <clears throat> Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go, be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. It's a saying that we use often. I've heard this uh, text preached often. It's an important text. Notice the connection Jesus makes between relationship with God and relationship with each other. The vertical, us to God. The horizontal, us to each other. You put those two together, vertical, horizontal, you get a cross, right? So Christ ties the two together. In this case, specifically with regard to worship. Notice he says, first go be reconciled to your brother. That, that goes first, before you worship him. So reconciliation with each other is the first priority when it comes to worship. Notice this too. He says, if you remember that he has something against you, not you have something against him, but he has something against you. If you remember that, he says, first go be reconciled. Then come be reconciled to me. Look how the Message Bible puts it. If you enter your place of worship, and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. Now, that's emphatic. That's pronounced. That's unmistakable, the way it's put there. See? Jesus says, go to your brother or sister first. Then come to me. Drop your worship right there. Find that person. Get it right with them. Then come to me. Think about that. What does he mean there? You know, one of the things I'm thinking about, I thought this before when I read this passage. If your heart is closed to a brother or sister because they have a grudge against you and you know it, then how can your heart be open to God? We only got one heart. So Christ says, go open your heart to your brother or sister then come, open your heart to me, and I'll accept your worship. That's really what's going on here, Jesus is teaching. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> okay. Going on, twenty-five, twenty-six. <laughs> Settle matters quickly with your adversary, who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This is interesting. It's sort of the same idea as verses 23 and 24, but from a different perspective. In those verses, the spiritual side of horizontal reconciliation is given. Right? Christ says, make it right with your brother or sister before you come worship me. These verses seem to present more of a practical side of the same idea. Make right with your brother or sister on the way to court. Settle it before you get there. It's like the Bible is saying there's something else in it for you to be reconciled to your brother and sister. You can avoid the court proceeding that might not come out too well for you. 
if you settle it now. He says, settle it quickly. So you got the spiritual side of the horizontal reconciliation. Here you have the practical side of it. Christ is giving us here in this sermon. Does that make sense? Okay, the next verse is you go back to the you have heard it said, but I say to you motif, 27-28. It's a deep one here. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's just 27 and 28. That's loaded. Think about this. What a passage that is. What a sermon that is for us today in the internet, social media generation. What a challenge for us as disciples of Jesus Christ in the 21st century. Look at a woman lustfully, Jesus says. See? Done it already in your heart. The law is spiritual. The law reads the heart, not just the deeds. The law is spiritual. You've done it already in your heart, Jesus says. What's interesting is we know this to be true in our day. We already know that if you do one, it leads to the other. Looking at a woman or a man lustfully not only constitutes inward sin, it leads to the outward sin. How many stories have you heard or read? I have. About a spouse leaving their partner for someone they met online inappropriately, interacting, and then in the end, they end up breaking up their marriage as a result. I've seen those stories. Heard them. So have you. You probably know some firsthand. I know at least one firsthand that happened just like that. And also this for us as pastors. How challenging it is to preach such a thing as this, knowing that among your listeners while you're preaching, there's very likely someone living through this very situation that you're preaching to them from Jesus. What a challenge to us as pastors. So this is a passage that sheds light specifically on the spirituality of the law. It's crystal clear that the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, has an application that is inward, not just outward. The commandment is obvious, not as just a regulation or as a rule, the law spiritual, so that we can keep it outwardly, technically, and at the same time be breaking it inwardly, which is in reality. Remember, in the word of God, the spiritual is real. The natural, the material, is what's passing away. Don't forget that. One of the important texts for us to remember in the Bible. Remember it, understand it, and teach it. You should talk about it often with your people. 2 Corinthians 4.18, because this goes against our natural way. 2 Corinthians 4.18, it reads, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, the spiritual, the unseen, that's what's real. What we see is passing away. It's temporary. It's not the real thing. We fix our eyes on the spiritual, and that's where the law of God is. The spirituality of the law, spirituality of it is based on its eternal reality. That will never pass away. Look at the companion text to this, one of them, to this text uh, about, if you look at woman lustfully, in Job 31.1. So another way of looking at it here, as Job put it, sort of as a personal commitment, a principle, more, more positive. He said it this way, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? The covenant with the eyes. Interesting. 
covenant with the eyes, Job said. My eyes and I have had a talk. And we agree on something. We've made a promise. I've promised my eyes I will not look lustfully at a young woman. A covenant with the eyes, he says. It's interesting. Because when you get back to the Sermon on the Mount, we find the same kind of personification with the eyes in Jesus' teaching. As though they were an entity unto themselves. 29 and 30. Continuing. Here's Christ. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, obviously, obviously, Jesus is speaking here symbolically. This is not a command to maim yourself in order to be saved. First of all, it wouldn't work anyway. Because the impurity is not in the eye, it's in the mind. The gouging out the eye really won't change anything. So we know, we know it's not what Christ means there. No, this is a case of what we call hyperbole. It's a figure of speech. That word means exaggerated statement, not meant to be taken literally, hyperbole. So Christ overblows it to make an emphasis of it for an effect. By exaggerating it, he's showing the seriousness of it. All right, so he's saying, if you've got impurity in your eye, take the eye out. Well, what he means is if you've got impurity in your heart, you've got to pray for a new heart. It's better to be uh, it's better to sacrifice yourself here and be saved. The law is spiritual. That's what Christ is saying here. See? Now, as we go into our step two, going to be some good things to explore here. We can start going into the commentaries and other kinds of sources. Let's continue here for now. 31, 32. Let's see, where are we? Here we are. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. Anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. We're back to the, you have heard, but I say to you, motif. Jesus says it over and over again in this sermon. This time his topic is divorce. Here again, Christ is updating the law. You have heard, but I say now, the you have heard part he's talking about here in the context of his day is Deuteronomy 24, and it's in the margin. Deuteronomy 24 the law, the ancient law says, if a man is displeased with his wife, all he has to do is write her a certificate of divorce, hand it to her, send her away, and the marriage is over. The verse is, if he's displeased with her, or if he thinks she has done something indecent. Write a little note, put it in her hand, you know, bye-bye, babe. Open the door, put her out, marriage is over. Jesus said, that's what you've heard. Deuteronomy 24. But I say to you, it's deeper than that. It's more than just a legal procedure. Not about a certificate. It's deeper than that. Christ brings morality into the picture. He lays down a stipulation and reveals a moral issue. We keep seeing this in the sermon. Jesus is going through the law, shedding light on the spiritual issues that go beyond the technical rule. So Christ says divorce is a relationship matter. 
this whole thing of relationship to your, to your spouse and to another, adultery, comes into play, Jesus is saying here. It's worth looking into a little deeper, too, as we go on. Be careful here, though, because I've, I've preached on divorce before, not even directly, indirectly. And people get upset, get their feelings hurt if they themselves have been through a divorce. You've got to be careful how you preach on this topic. Be sensitive. You know, be biblical, be like Christ in your attitude, your words, because it can be a touchy, hurtful thing to talk about. Anyway, that's Christ's point of view. Okay, 33 to 37. Here we go. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you make to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Apparently, that's what they were doing back then, swearing by Jerusalem. Don't do that, Jesus says. And do not swear by your own head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I like this one. What do you think it means? I mean, practically, in our experience, what do you think it means? Swearing by this, swearing by that. Uh, Here's another translation. Verse 37, it says, Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Yes, I will, no, I won't. Just say it. All this swearing by this, swearing by that, you know, that's distraction. Reminds me of a saying I heard once. <clears throat> it says that, uh, if I remember correctly, it's from the old Hebrew culture. It says that in the court proceedings, they had no oath-taking. You know, put your hand in the Bible, and they didn't do that. Because the belief was that anyone who will not tell the truth without an oath, without a vow, will not hesitate to tell a lie with one. So they had no oath-taking, vow, hand on the Bible, I solemnly swear, no. You don't need an oath to tell the truth, and if you're a liar, you'll lie with an oath anyway. So Jesus says, yes, yes, no, no, be done with it. Again, you see how Christ is pointing to the inner person, looking for honesty that doesn't require embellishment. Just as, just as you would say, uh, <clears throat> just, as you would, just as you say you would do, do what you say. That's what the message is. Now, you compare the message Bible paraphrase. It's interesting. It's a little different emphasis here. Same verses. Here's how it reads in the message Bible. You only make things worse when you lay down a smoke screen of pious talk, saying, I will pray for you and never doing it, or saying, God be with you and not meaning it. This is a paraphrase. They're changing it a little bit to make a point. Message Bible. Continuing, you don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. That's a little bit of different emphasis now. You know? Not talking about an oath so much as it's talking really about God talk, trying to sound religious. And it's saying here in a paraphrase, similar to what Christ is saying, What you're really doing is you're just going off base. Because God talk isn't true. doesn't reveal the real inward thoughts. So just say, yes, I will. No, I won't. 
Be done with it. That's Christ's message. Talking about being straightforward, being honest, not embellishing unnecessarily, trying to impress people. That's what he's saying here. Probably get more into, uh, more of that too if we look into it in our step two. <clears throat> okay, getting there now. Thirty-eight to forty-two. Here it is again. You have heard that it was said, "Eye for eye." Tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants you to sue you, someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is deep. Again, he's comparing the old with the new. What you've heard, how it's been, with how it is now. And this this verse here, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, this 38, you look in the margin, it sends you back to the Old Testament. Where it comes. Christ is actually quoting something here. Excuse me, paraphrasing. Because Exodus 21, 24, it says, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Right? Leviticus 24.20, it says, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. That's the idea behind eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It's the letter of the law justice. You did it, it gets done back to you. And that seems fair. That is fair. You get back to you what you did. But Jesus in the sermon is revealing something more, bringing in another element. And notice, he's not saying that what was done wrong doesn't matter. He's not saying causing injury to somebody is not important. It's still a serious matter. But Christ here is talking to his people. He's giving us something more to think about as his followers, not just eye for eye, tooth for tooth. He's saying instead, yield. NLT has it, no more tit for tat stuff. Instead, it says, live generously. That's what Christ is talking about here. Not getting even. Another part of the Bible, I don't remember the verse right now. We'll look at it probably in our step two. I'm just thinking about this now. Where it says, um, don't render evil for evil. I think it's in Romans. Don't render evil for evil, but instead render good for evil. That's the principle here Christ is talking about. No more tit for tat. Live generously. We'll look at that some more. Here's our last few verses here, 43 to 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hurt your en- hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not even like the tax collectors? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than anybody else? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Hmm. That winds up that part of the Sermon on the Mount, where Christ is reinterpreting the law through himself. We've got to pick one of these 
to expand on next week to write a sermon from it. We can't do all of them. I haven't decided. And right now I'm looking at that last one, love your enemies, thinking that might be the one. Any one of these, though, will reveal the spirituality of the law. How the law goes deeper than just the rule or regulation. That's what we want to get to. We want to show how the law reveals Christ. It doesn't reveal Christ in the rule. Christ goes deeper than that. So the law, as it reveals Christ, must go beneath the regulation and the rule. Because you know what? You can always find exceptions to a rule and justify yourself. But in Christ, as you go spiritually, you find you don't want any exceptions. You want to do like he did and relate them on that spiritual level. That's what we're looking for. Let's search for that next week as we go on to step two to develop this sermon. Now, I want to say to you that uh, the learning community on Hear Me Now Ministries begins its first course on Monday, August 2. I think I mentioned that last time. First course. It's a four-day course, one two-hour lecture each day on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Monday cycle. One two-hour lecture each day with a break. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, skipping Wednesday. That's beginning August 2, first week of August. You can register for the afternoon session, 1 to 3 in the afternoon, Central Time. Or you can register for the evening session, 7 to 9 in the evening, Central Time. And the first course I'm going to offer, starting August 2, is Sexuality in Scripture. An investigation of sexuality using the Bible as the textbook, the Bible as the sex manual. I'm going to answer questions like, what does it mean that God invented sex in the beginning before there was any sin? In a perfect world of purity, God made us sexual beings in that context. What does that mean? Answer questions like, how does the concept of two becoming one involve sex and marriage? And this too, very important point. How to do ministry in the LGBTQ community with love for all, without discrimination, but at the same time, with full integrity to God and to God's word. Many of us don't know how to pull that off. We want to. We don't know how. I want to reveal that as we go to the word of God in this course that starts August 2. So go to hearmenowministries.com to register. Now you must become a member first. $7 a month, cancel any time. As soon as you do, you get access to the Learning Community page where you can register for a course. Uh, this course starting August 2. Uh, there's a discount for clergy and also for international students who currently live outside of the United States. Now, this is important. Class size is going to be kept small to allow for interaction, question and answer. And we're going to take the ones who come first, so don't wait. Go to hearmenowministries.com, join as a member for $7, register for the course. Sexuality and Scripture, and I'll see you on August 2nd. Okay, I guess that's enough for now, don't you think? And uh, let's wind up. Let's think about next time we pick up this Sermon on the Mount, in particular, the part that has to do with the law. going to reveal Christ in the law in that Matthew 5 next time. Until then, preachers, remember, keep humble, be faithful.